Today's Bible reading comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and you can find it in the back of your leaflet. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because she was, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thank you, Ethan. All the McIvers in their Christmas crocs today. Looking good. Well, as you make your final preparations for Christmas, what are your must-haves? Those things that might seem strange to everyone else, but for you, they just say Christmas. They really go with Christmas. For me, that those things have changed over the years, especially since moving to the Southern Hemisphere. But here are the key things that said Christmas to me um, when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s. So a few of them. Key one was a big tin of quality street chocolates. All right, it wasn't Christmas without that. And of course, the new Christmas tradition is to complain about how how they're not in a tin anymore and how the tins got smaller anyway, and there's not enough green triangles. Uh, Another tradition in our house growing up that I never understood was eat me dates. You never saw them or even thought about them the rest of the year. I'm not sure anybody ever actually ate any, but at Christmas they'd magically appear and have that weird fork in the box with them, don't they? Another one, a selection box. I'd always be given one of these at my dad's work's Christmas party. And let me tell you, a Mars bar followed by a bounty chaser that never tastes as good as it does at 6 a.m. on a Sunday Christmas morning. But the thing that caused great excitement in our house, when you knew that Christmas was just around the corner, was when Dad went over to the newsagents across the road and came back with the double issues of the radio and TV Times television guy. Big, thick magazines mapping out two weeks' worth of all the exciting Christmas specials and movies that were going to be on over the festive period. Now, TV is, I've noticed, is a much bigger deal in the UK than in Australia generally, but especially at Christmas. And in our defence, in England, in December, it doesn't get light till 8.30am, It goes dark at 4 p.m. and it's cold grey drizzle in between. So retreating from the telly is not so bad. And so Christmas Day afternoon, Grandad would make us all watch the Queen's speech at 3 p.m. And there was great excitement about whatever the network premiere movie or Christmas special was going to be. This is like before 
before VHS even some of this, and often it was the latest Bond movie, and I distinctly recall Auntie Dorothy talking all the way through Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> and I've been thinking about all this recently because, well, we've just bought a new telly. And when I think about it, on those Christmas days growing up, that telly, watching telly together that seemed so special was on this kind of very small box, not very high resolution, and one tiny, tinny speaker. And you'd have to stand up to change the channel. Imagine that. And we thought it was amazing. But now, now we've got 4K, high dynamic range, Dolby Atmos surround sound, the colours pop, you can see every pore, you can hear every breath. It's a whole different experience. And in the reading we just heard, Matthew tells us Jesus' name, which means God saves. Jesus, which means God saves. But he also tells us his kind of nickname, the best nickname ever. Now, nicknames, a good nickname gets across very quickly information about a person. So I heard of a a bloke at the pub called Dave who also told the same stories over and over. So his nickname was Dave Javu. It's good on you. And a lady they used to call Vivaldi. Vivaldi. Because her name was Vivian and she worked at Aldi. So that's pretty good. Well, Jesus' nickname tells us something about him. Emmanuel. Matthew one twenty three. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Which, and they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. God with us. Now, God has never just left humanity to it. Uh, Right now, he's sustaining our every breath. And being with us is who he is. It's sort of embedded into his identity. It's his heart for us to be with us. So, for example, Genesis, he says to Jacob, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. Isaiah 41, do not fear, for I am with you. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And God's people, there's loads of others we could look at from the Old Testament. And God's people being in God's direct presence forever, that's where all history is heading. Revelation 21 says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. So being in relationship with God is what life is all about. It's where all of history is heading. And God made things so that his chosen people, Israel, could enjoy that relationship in a meaningful way. And so that back then, as Jesus is being born... That was like the family gathered around the old cathode ray TV tube with the single tinny speaker. Not nothing, but not as things were going to be. Because now Jesus is God turning up in person, becoming one of us, fully human, fully God. Clear, unmissable, as knowable as knowing any other human now it's like we're watching in 8K on, and I've looked up the biggest telly you can buy, 98-inch OLED TV. 
We can't know everything about God, but everything we need to know, everything we can understand, we can know through knowing Jesus. Now, if you're anything like me, you get bombarded with texts and automated calls claiming to be about a parcel you've missed or a toll you've not been on that you've not paid or how the tax officer about to send you to jail. So we're used to that kind of scam. But I did this picture quiz recently on the ABC. I've got a slide. Um, you had to choose between screenshots of genuine online banking log- logging pages and scam ones. And I got most of them wrong. It's pretty scary, isn't it? It's hard to know who or what to trust. You have to look really closely at the details. And in Matthew's gospel, what he's doing is showing us all the details we need to trust that Jesus really is God with us. And even before Jesus is born, he's already given us loads of information in his genealogy and in this account to give us confidence to trust that Jesus is God with us, come to save us. So in the run-up to Christmas, when I was growing up, we'd get those big fat TV guides and we'd pour over them in detail, planning out what we were going to watch and in later years record. And if all this stuff about Jesus is new to you, well, that's what you need to do with these gospel accounts, with all the details about Jesus. Pour over them and check them out for yourself. And a great way to do that is um, we've got Word one-to-one booklets and there's an app you can download um, that goes through John's Gospel. It's got a little commentary afterwards, but it just along each page, really simple to go through. So find a Gospel, pour over them to check out Jesus for yourself. You don't need a theological degree. You don't need to be really academic, but nor do you need to leave your brain at the door as you're checking it out. Don't switch your brain off. You don't need to be religious. You don't need to be a spiritual person. Just get started with meeting Jesus, getting to know him, trusting him, and take it from there. Let's zoom in on some of the details of this passage. Uh, There is an outline in your leaflets if you're into that. There's a lot of writing. It's not a longer talk. There's just more. uh, I've just broken it up more, so don't worry. First of all, notice it's a doco, not a fairy tale. A documentary, not a fairy tale. We're so used to hearing the story of Jesus' birth through the lens of children's plays, aren't we? Through children's nativities. It's easy to assume that it's the Bible's version of a kid's story or a fairy tale. But actually, if you look at the details of what we've just read, it's pretty gritty. It's pretty grown up. When we celebrate Christmas, it's all sweetness and light, literally. But that wasn't the reality for Mary and Joseph. This is scandalous for Mary, pregnant and not yet married. And it would have been humiliating for Joseph his betrothed seemingly having turned to another bloke rather than him. And yet Joseph is a good man. And what Joseph does here gives us a hint of what God is up to in turning up in person in Jesus. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, 
he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph could have made life very difficult for Mary in order to sort of distance himself from her and her baby to save a bit of face for himself. And under the law, he had every right to do that. But he doesn't insist on his rights. And even before he knows that God is involved, even when he thinks he's just another heartbroken loser who's been rejected for another bloke, he cares more about Mary than he does himself. And he tries to make things as easy as he can for her. Being faithful to the law, but showing grace. And that points us to why God comes to us in the flesh. To fulfill the law, holding our sin to account, and yet showing grace and providing a way to life. Justice and mercy. But the extraordinary thing is this situation Joseph and Mary are in, Mary are in is God's doing. He's like the reality TV producer orchestrating events to have Jesus born. Not into a palace, not into wealth, not into a religious family like his cousin John, but to a scared and confused young couple from the suburbs that no one wants to rent or buy a house in. Appearing not through a space-time portal, not through a burning bush or smoke and lightning on a mountaintop, but through a birth canal into makeshift accommodation. That Christmas telly growing up was great. Christmas specials of your favorite shows, feature-length editions with special guest stars. But Jesus enters into more like the mid-afternoon regional news or the tenth repeat of an episode of Escape to the Country. Jesus came into the ordinary, messed-up lives of Mary and Joseph. And Jesus comes to us in our ordinary Messed up lives. He doesn't wait for Christmas. He doesn't wait for a special occasion. He doesn't wait for us to get our act together. We're lost. And he comes to find us. To love us. And rescue us. Where we are. Next we get the maker's commentary. So you know when on a DVD you know, or Blu-ray you can hear the... Play a version with the director telling you about the shot and the lighting and all of that. Well, Joseph gets the inside track on what's going on from an angel. Now, angels, think of kids in a white robe and a fuzzy halo around the head or something. Actually, we don't know what they look like. We just know they're messengers from God. And when humans encounter them, they're generally pretty frightened. But this angel tells Joseph in a dream what he needs to know about the child that Mary is carrying. Verse 20. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So don't give up on Mary. She hasn't been unfaithful. This baby is not yours. It's God's. Just as he created the world, so he's created this baby. I mean, a virgin conceiving. Even in the context of all the miraculous stuff you'll find in the Bible that God does. This is an outlier. This is weird. This doesn't happen. 
And that's how Matthew presents it in this gospel. We're not supposed to go, oh yeah, okay, virgin conception. This is weird and Matthew presents it as such. And yet, it happened. Now some skeptics will say that Matthew and Luke claim this virgin conception because they think sex itself is sinful and dirty. The trouble is with that theory is that is not how the Bible treats sex. The Bible treats sex like it's a blessing, that it's a very good thing, and such a good and powerful thing, it's protected and nurtured and reserved only for its special home in lifelong commitment in marriage. The Bible treats sex as much better, a much better thing than people generally do. Skeptics have also complained, this just sounds like fantasy fiction or a fairy tale. But think about it, if there is an all-powerful creator, wouldn't it be weird, wouldn't it be strange and inconsistent if he couldn't do this? And wouldn't we reasonably doubt Jesus if he were just another teacher claiming to have something about God about him or have heard from God like every other religious leader ever? And would Joseph really have gone along with the story that his wife was fulfilling a prophecy from 700 years earlier if he didn't believe it? Verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You know, when I stop and think about it, all that excitement of Christmas TV, it wasn't really about the quality of the programming or the movie. Often, they were pretty rubbish. But it seemed great because of all people watching together. You know, Auntie Dorothy talking all the way through it was part of the fun. The extended family coming together gave a sense of occasion, togetherness. It was a special occasion, not because of the telly, but because of the relationships. Relationships being begun or continued, nurtured, occasionally threatened or fractured, but usually joyfully coming together, differences set aside for the day. And the first message the angel has for Joseph is to fix his relationship, isn't it? Mary is okay. She's not done anything wrong. But more than that, the name he is to give is this baby tells us his child has come to fix our relationship with God. Jesus, meaning God saves. God saves. I wonder what you think of that. It used to be you watched whatever ads were on the telly uh, and for everything. Now we tend to see ads more often online. And they try to target you, don't they? Get targeted ads. Targeted, but yet still somehow entirely irrelevant to you for things you don't want or need. I get ads for dad bod t-shirts and health insurance. That's where I'm up to. And for lots of people, God saves sounds like an ad for something they don't want and they don't think they need. But God saving us is exactly what every one of us needs. And if we don't know we're saved, knowing that needs to be top of our Christmas wish list. See, we are made to be in God's story, enjoying relationship with him. But what we do instead is go flipping the channels, looking to find a story where he's not calling the shots, where he's not directing and writing the picture. 
And so all of us in our own way, we reject God and try to write our own show. But it never delivers like the show that we're made to be in. It doesn't bring us life. It separates us from God as we try and edit him out of the picture. Growing up, we uh, always had our summer holidays at our caravan in North Wales. Uh, I loved it. But our drawback was our caravan only had a small, portable, and I'm showing my age here, black and white TV. It was rubbish for watching snooker on, let me tell you. But worse still, the caravan part backed onto a train line with overhead electric cables. So every time a train went past, every half hour, the screen would turn to snow. So you'd be watching that murder mystery, and I can finally reveal the murderer is... And that is like our sin. Our sin disrupts the signal so we can't see ourselves and we can't see God for who we really are, what we're really like. And so we end up importing all our own made-up pictures about who God is and what he's like or just delete his channel. We comfort ourselves with false storylines about ourselves and how the world works. And that damages our relationship with God and blinds us to the trouble that we're really in. But Jesus, God the Son, was born as one of us to come and take away all our interference, all our bad storylines, onto himself. He pays for them so that we can be forgiven, our signal cleaned up, free to enjoy being in God's show. Jesus being born of the Spirit, Jesus saving us, these ideas come together in that nickname, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I said before, uh, Jesus being God with us makes God 8K, Ultra HD clear. Actually, it's more than that. It's like just as granddaddies was gathering us together to watch the Queen's speech on the telly, there's a knock at the door. You open it and there she is. Queen Elizabeth II herself, Philip, Prince Philip behind her asking if we can have a glass of sherry. God has turned up in person, not to tell us off, not to catch us out, not to give us a new set of rules to follow, but to show us his goodness, his grace, to save us. So let me recommend to you, read the Gospels, read them again, if you've read them a hundred times before, and fall in love with Jesus. Because in falling in love with Jesus, you are falling in love with God. Jesus himself said, this is John 14, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You know, part of the joy of Christmas is the sense of occasion. All the things we do, preparing days in advance to make that one day special. Because we all want to be part of something special, something successful. God coming in the flesh is that special day. 
the angels and shepherds and magi, wise men, make such a big deal about him because he comes to restore our picture, to make us right with God and give us all the blessings and joy that flow from that. So what's the right response to all this this Christmas? Well, I reckon Joseph is a good model for us. Here he is, confronted with this hard-to-believe circumstances and messages that if he takes them on board, are going to have a profound and lasting and material effect on his life. If he takes this on board, it changes him forever. So what does he do? Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. What does Joseph do? He believes. And he believes with a trust that means he accepts Jesus. He takes responsibility for him. That's the right response. Trust and believe. Accept Jesus. Accept the meaning of his name, that he is God saving you. Take responsibility for Jesus. If you haven't before, you owe it to yourself to look into him properly, thoroughly. Please don't put that off. Don't reckon you'll watch it on demand later on. Attend to it later. For all of us, there's so much to distract us from Jesus. So many other channels we could be watching to cool our love for him. Stop flipping channels. Tune into Jesus through his word in the Bible, through being with his people. Trust him. Follow him. Join him with the story he has got for your life. Because it's a story with a happy ending. And you'll be glad of every minute on the way there. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that Jesus saves. Thank you that he is God with us, come to love us and rescue us and save us. Please help us to, like Joseph, to take responsibility for him, to trust him, to believe him with a kind of trust where we trust him with our lives. Amen.